podcast listeners, and welcome to the NK News Podcast. I am your host, Jacko Zwetslut. Today, it is Monday, the 13th of February, 2023, and I am joined via Zoom by Professor Al-Hassan Mahmoud Muhammad from Nigeria to talk about the friendship between Nigeria and the DPRK, and also about the Nigerian Committee for the Study of the Juche Idea. But first, I'd like to remind everybody, please, to leave a review about this podcast on whichever platform you use and share this episode with everyone you think should hear it or who might be interested. What's more, please like and subscribe to the series. Secondly, check out nknews.org, where each day my journalist colleagues write the best North Korea-focused journalism. A subscription for a year costs less than a dollar a day, and that helps to fund not only this podcast, but also the excellent journalism that my colleagues do every day. Third, follow NK News Org on Twitter and me at JackOZ. Now, to properly introduce my guest today, Professor Al-Hassan Mahmoud Muhammad is CEO of Dora Goffi Environmental Consultants, as well as Professor of Environmental Management at the University of Abuja, Nigeria. He is also Chairman of the Nigerian Committee for the Study of the Juche Idea, and it is in that capacity that I am speaking to him today. You can find the Nigerian Committee for the Study of the Juche Idea online at nigeriajucheidea.blogspot.com. And if you didn't hear that properly, we'll put the link in the show notes later on so you can click on it. Welcome on the show, Professor. Thank you for having me. Uh, can you tell us how did you first become interested in the Juche idea? Well, first it started with the non-aligned movement. Some of us were very much interested in the non-aligned movement. When we had the world uh, divided into two, you are either, you know, with the former you know, uh, Soviet bloc, or you are with the West, the so-called Western powers. Some of us felt that we look at so many leaders as at that time, you know, who are very bold in terms of putting the interests of their people and their country, you know, at, for, uh, in, at the forefront. And one of such leaders is the founder of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. Comrade, His Excellency Comrade Kim Il Sung, mm. and we followed his works, you know, his philosophy, and what he has done for his nation. And from there on, we now begin to follow the activities of the DPR of Korea, and suddenly we develop interest, you know, in this concept, you know, of self-reliance, which is duty. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean isolation, but you rely more and more on the ability of your fellow countrymen to pull your country together. And when you look at Africa's situation, that we depend on the West for everything, even the air we breathe, it must come from the West. That's so choking. And some of us have this feeling that Africa and Africans are not lazy. They have the potentialities, you know, to match any race in the world. So Juche idea, which is the concept of self-reliance, serves, you know, as a kind of a springboard for us to aspire to our aspirations to pull Africa out of one poverty, servitude that we have been um, subjected to both politically and economically. We just got political independence, but economically, we are still slaves to the Western world. We want to be free in all aspects, mm -hmm. both politically, economically, and then we depend less and less on the outside world. So that was the kind of the scenario that set our interest, you know, to study the concept of Juche idea, and we became so interested with the founders and the proponents of this idea, which is the North Koreans. And how long ago was it that you became involved? I think for getting to about two and a half decades now. Mm. And how long have you been the chairman of the Nigerian Committee for the Study of the Juche idea? I think for the past 18 to 20 years. Oh, quite a while. We have branches in Nigeria, but I head the national uh, committee, so I'm the national chairman, and we uh -huh. also have, you know, chairman who um, heading the local branches in our country. Ah, C can you give us an indication of the size of the committee and and the number of the branches throughout Nigeria? Well, I think there are two. Should I say types of membership for those who are registered? And then um, they also attend our occasions and the rest and what have you. I think about 250, 2,500. But 
there are also others, you know, who show sympathy, you know, who also align with us in thoughts and feelings. I think most Nigerians, most Nigerians do. When we have any other occasion, we invite Nigerians, you know, they flood that and they show sympathy, you know, to the DPRK. So there are, are millions in that. But those mm. who are committed and uh, active members at any point in time, you call them and then they will answer the fact that, yes, they are members. You know, I think we are about 2,500. Okay. And, and in, in how many different branches? For now, we have four branches. Yep. One at the University of Abuja, which is uh, kind of piloting the affairs yep. uh, at the University of Abuja. We also have a branch at the Federal College of Education, Zuba, that, that takes care of colleges of education. We also have the third branch at the Nasarawa State University, Kefi, just close by, about 45 to 50 kilometers east of our nation's capital, Abuja. Mm -hmm. And of course, we have the last branch, which is for journalists at the Institute of Journalism, also located downtown our nation's capital, Abuja. So for now, these are the four branches. But I thought before this, we had branches at Lagos. Polytechnic, uh, Yaba Polytechnic uh, in our former capital, Lagos. Mm -hmm. We also have another branch at Benin City in the south, south part of Nigeria. And hopefully we are trying to open up branches at Bayoro University and Amadubello University, uh, both in Kano and Zaria, respectively. Mm. Oh, gosh. And when was the very, very first uh, Juche study group founded in Nigeria? Around 19... 78 they're about illegals oh yeah uh, so uh, so those um, at the yaba college of uh, technology in lagos our former national capital we are piloting the affairs but yeah. when the embassy moved to abuja the abuja branch came into being in 2000 2000 so mm -hmm. that's about 23 years now yeah. And I think I became the national uh, president in about 2001, thereabout, yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about your particular committee that you're a member of. How often does your group meet? Is it weekly or monthly or irregularly? Well, we have think two or three types of meeting. The first one is the prescribed meeting. We meet under this, we meet twice in the year. That is at the beginning of the year and at towards the end of the year. The beginning of the year, we try to lay out programs for the year that we've just uh, entered. We lay out uh, what we intend to do in terms of dissemination, in terms of seminar, and then other activities like uh, if uh, condition warrants, we visit the DPRK, or we also attend the regional meeting or the international meeting. We lay that out if and then those who are to attend. Then the second meeting has to do with the branches. The branches normally meet quarterly. Yeah. They meet quarterly. All the four branches, they meet quarterly. And then when need arises, they can get together and then meet, particularly when there are international issues that has to relate to DPRK, like tracks, you know, from the West and the rest, they sit down and they discuss, you know, the prevailing issues. And then lastly, of course, the other meeting, we meet whenever occasions to around the national body meets and then we also discuss the fourth one which i may not refer to as meeting is whenever there is any occasion that the dp that is being celebrated in dprk mm -hmm. we also gather either at the embassy downtown our nation's capital or at a preferred location and then we also celebrate in solidarity with the dprk so this week, for example, on Thursday, uh, February 16th, is the uh, the day of the shining star, the birthday of the late leader Kim Jong-il. Will there be a meeting for that? Yeah, normally if this occasion, like I said uh, earlier on, that if the fourth meeting, which we, we don't regard as a regular meeting, mm -hmm. if there is any occasion that is be, to be celebrated in the DPRK, we also meet. We've done that already. Normally, branches or all, all other associations allied to the DPRK meet before the DD, so that when the DD comes in, they will now pull in the report to say, okay, there is a meeting of these in social countries. So we've already met. And I think we met um, last Wednesday. Uh, maybe when we are off, if you have your WhatsApp, I can send you pictures of that. Or when you visit our website, you can see those pictures. Oh, great. Eventually, when I post them. Yeah. 
So we've met already, you know, yeah. to is a dual that this one to commemorate the 75th of the founding of the KPA, the Korean People's Army, mm-hmm. and then the birthday of the Korean leader, His Excellency Comrade Kim Jong-il. Yeah. Now, as the name of your committee suggests, uh, the study of the Jucha idea, that's a big part of your activities. Does it take a long time to study the Jucha idea? Because it, it seems to me, from what I understand, it could be summed up in maybe one or two A4 pages. Uh, I think it's far from that. When we say philosophy, it uh, encompasses so many things. Mm. You know, when you are striving to develop, you must have a philosophy that will serve as a driver, that will drive that those development um, purposes. And when we say development, it is all encompassing. First, it has to do with your mindset. You need to change your mindset. We are not saying that it should be like hating the West and the Red. No. Nobody should hate anyone, but what we're saying is you have a mindset that, yes, you want to develop. You want your people to develop. And development, like I said, is all encompassing. It has to do with education. If you look at it, every child in the DPRK goes to school. You look at their prowess in terms of uh, computer literacy. You look at their prowess in terms of economy. The DPRK, you know, is under sanctions by Western powers mm-hmm. for more than two, three decades, and yet the country is yet to collapse because of the resilience and the dedication of the people. And you look at their defense, they are able to defend their country. No nation, no matter how powerful, can implement the so-called mantra of regime change. It could happen to very weaker nations, though they can just trample on, steal their independence, but not with the DPRK. DPRK has never, ever attacked any other country, but she's able to defend herself against, you know, the world police and those who feel they can go into any country, you know, and change government. Africa is very vulnerable. And you can see the way the so-called seven sisters, you know, have been changing government at will in Africa. And what France does, and you can see the repercussion, you know, with the French, anti-French feeling in the Western side of Africa, the West African countries, you know, in Guinea, in Mali, in Burkina Faso, and of late in Niger Republic. So you have this growing sentiment of uh, resenting, you know, imposition, you know, and meddling into the internal affairs of African countries. But you can't do that with the DPRK because of their strong defense. And you look at their health policy. Their health policy is very robust. You've never had any health crisis in the DPRK because they have a a healthy and robust health uh, policy where every child, every North Korean is taken care of. Look at their housing policy. They don't have this idea of homeless people like you see even in Western world. It's so pathetic that, you know, with all the glitz and glare of Western societies, they still have this nasty feeling, you know, in, uh, of, of, of homeless that they do hide. They don't want the, the media. Media don't show. But they are quick in showing hunger, strife, war, you know, in Africa that we still live on trees. You know, and there is, but when you look at the inner cities of these Western countries, it's riddled with crime. You have people driving in, shooting in schools, kids yeah. will go to school, you know, stabbing when you take a, um, a, a subway in the Western society. You don't have these crimes, you know, in the DPRK. You okay. need to visit the country and see how the country is at peace with itself. Uh, which texts do you use to study the Jucha idea? I beg your pardon? Uh, which texts or, or books or materials do you use to study Jucha? We use a lot of materials, you know, written by the leadership of the DPRK, starting from His Excellency and founding father of the DPRK, Comrade Kim Il-sung. And then we also use um, works written, you know, both by them and by others on the qualities and lifestyle of uh, His Excellency, Comrade Kim Jong-il as well as the current leader. And we have so many writers and philosophers of North Korean origin. They've mm-hmm. written on the leadership, they've written on Jiche idea, they've written on Jiche philosophy. They also uh, wrote so many things on um, the Army First policy. I'm sure you know about that policy of the Army uh, uh, First policy. They've looked at, you know, yeah. several aspects of the Korean life that we looked at. But so do you have a favorite us- volume? Like if somebody said to you, uh, Professor, can you recommend one book to begin studying about Jusha? What would be the first book you would recommend? Well, there are, like I said, there are so many of them. Yes. 
Well, that's right. So it's hard to know where to begin. There are so many of them. So if you maybe at the end of this, I can give you a list of books, you know, that you are going to uh, have because we also have them in our mini library. Right. But you, you don't have a favorite? All of them are favorite because yeah. they touch on different aspects of human existence. Yeah. You know, you just can't pinpoint, isolate one aspect. They have right. to, they, they go, they are intertwined. You know, uh -huh. aspects of development, you can't divorce, you know, your independence and national security from health, yeah. housing, education. You can't div uh, uh, divulge one from others. They right. have to go as a package. Now, there are, um, of course, many differences between the DPRK and Nigeria in terms of uh, political structure, history, language and culture, religion, economy, and so on. Can you share a little bit, please, uh, what Nigeria is able to learn and adapt from Juche for itself? Oh, many. You know, they, like you said, yeah, I quite accept because the DPR of Korea is like a unique society, one language, one culture, you know, one philosophy, one aspiration. But in case of Nigeria, as well as so many other African countries, the effect of this compartmentalization, what we refer to as, uh, which came about as a result of colonialism, people of different ethnic groups were forced to a union without their consent. So we are still trying to forge this integration. Like the case of Nigeria, you have about 250 ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. It is the grace of God that these 250 different ethnic groups with different religion, with uh, different cultures, with different ways they see life or that were able to come together and we lasted this long. So um, what we are hoping is that in spite of our diversity, we could still find strength, unity, you know, from this diverse nature of our, our society. And the concept of duty de-emphasizes this division. And if you look at so many crises that we have had so far in Africa, it's anchored on our colonial history. Though the West wouldn't want to believe that, but they created these and they are still sustaining these. Look at Rwanda. What is the difference between the Tutsi and then the Hutu? It's because of they were forced to get into a country. You look at Kenya, you have the Luo, you know, and then the largest ethnic, ethnic group in, in Kenya, and they are at loggerheads. You look at uh, Guinea Conakry. You have a problem between the Peel or what we call the Fulani and then the, the, the Susu and so many other entry groups. You go to Mali is between the Bambara and then the Peel or the Fulani. And then so many other countries, you know, in Africa. South Africa is yeah. it, it just is the silence before the bomb just explodes, but there are still ethnic tensions, but right. it's suppressed because of Madiba. So yeah. there is no any other country that is not suffering from what the colonialists created, which is different ethnic groups, you know, being forced to come together without their acceptance or willingness. Mm -hmm. So we are here to mend this. And our hope and our prayers is that Juche idea will de-emphasize this division in different African countries, mm -hmm. particularly my own country, Nigeria. And then, you know, we can begin to have one aspiration, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of religion, regardless of whatever diversity. We want to see our diversity as a source of strength. Hmm. Professor Al Hassan, are you a, a religious man? Oh, sure. And is Juche compatible with religion? It depends on what you what your perception is. You know, when you say, "Okay, uh, is uh, Juche com uh, compatible?" You know, with uh, with religion, like I told you, if you look at Islam, because I'm a Muslim, I'm proudly so a Muslim. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at Juche idea, there are so many things, you know, that Juche idea, you know, I can say maybe shares with Islam. Mm. Islam Islam and Juche does not show any discrimination. Anybody who tells you that Islam is a violent religion, probably that's the perception of the West because they feel it is a threat to them. And they begin to give, you know, the West have this penchant, anything they don't like, they give it a bad name and then they begin to fight. But Islam is one that believes that, yes, you can accommodate any other person regardless of your differences. And Juche does that. And our aspiration as leaders, young leaders, intellectuals from Africa, we want to see where we begin to de-emphasize these diversities. And then we see them as a source of strength that without this diversity, the world will be so boring. Mm -hmm. And I think Juche emphasizes that probably what you're alluding to 
is that because there are so many uh, criticisms about uh, Jewish idea, it goes after religious extremists that it doesn't uh, allow individuals to congregate. Come on, man. You have so many crises, you know, in different parts of the world as a result of religion. Religion shouldn't be a source of crisis. Religion should be a source of understanding because any religion that preaches, you know, violence is not worth its stance at all. So extremism shouldn't be part and parcel of religion. Religion mm -hmm. should be something, you know, that uh, should kind of humble one. Yeah. Now you you mentioned earlier that the uh, the DPR Korea has an embassy that's now located in Abuja. Does your organization have regular contact with the embassy? Oh sure. Have you been there to visit the embassy recently? Oh, I was there last uh, this uh, Wednesday. Oh, okay, very recently. Very great. Uh, yeah. How does the embassy support your organization and its work? You know, if you have a liking for a country. If you have a liking for the leadership, the good qualities of the leadership of a country, and if the country has a kind of an ideology that you also subscribe to and you are preaching that ideology, of course it is natural that the embassy will support you in whatever way they can. And I think the DPRK embassy in Abuja has not failed in its responsibility to dispense that off. Right. And how does your organization assist the embassy? I don't know if you say uh, how what assistance you are talking about. Maybe you are talking about finance. You no, know, I, I mean um, maybe in uh, promoting information about uh, DPR Korea or uh, organizing conferences or meetings, anything like that. Like I said, if you have anything to do with the style of a country, the embassy is bound to uh, you know assist you in whatever you can. Like when we organize seminars, we invite them. You know, they come in as observers, but it is strictly driven by us. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Anything when we organize, uh, when we come in to celebrate with them, you know, we come in and we do that. You know, just like uh, any other person would. So it is not like the embassy comes in and they take off all it is. No, everything is driven by us. You know, mm -hmm. and whatever. So they just come in to observe and probably report back to the country. Or that, like this group, this association, you know, identifies with us, and then they are also part and parcel for our celebration. And then when we organize seminars, you know, they also come in and then they report back to their country. Mm -hmm. And remember, we have an association they call Korean Association of Social Scientists, the CAS. So we also have at the international level the International Institute of Future Idea that is stationed in uh, Japan, Ikebukuru, yeah. Japan. But of course, you know, with the coming of these uh, administration in Tokyo and the one before it, you know, they've been very brutal, you know, trying to kind of cut down the activities. Uh, but we've been moving stronger in spite of, you know, the shortcomings of the antics of the Japanese government, you know, anchored by the pressure from the West and, of course, that country south of the 38 parallel. Did the um, the COVID pandemic have any effect on the functioning of the DPR Korea Embassy in Abuja or on your committee? Well, um, I can say just for a while, but I don't know what you mean by effect on uh, the function of the well, DPR Korea Embassy and then our association. But let me say this. When the pandemic was so endemic, you know, and the world were taking measures, we all complied with regulations. Yeah. With protocol, you know, to curb the spread of COVID-19, COVID okay? Yes. We complied with that. So we kind of scale down contact to contact. And when there is uh, any need, absolute need for contact, you know, we also comply with the protocol to kind of curb the spread of the disease. But to say that, okay, it has stopped completely, no. Only that maybe at a reduced rate in compliance with uh, international requirement for the COVID-19 protocol. And yeah. then when there are easing of uh, whatever restrictions, I think we come together. But we still comply with wearing masks. When you are coming, you have to wash your hands. You keep uh, a distance yeah. among others. Yeah. So last Wednesday, when you visited the embassy for the event, everybody was wearing masks, were they? Not everybody was wearing masks, but we kept to the protocol. You know, there is easing of those protocol now in my country, Nigeria. So yes. whatever the country specifies, we comply with that. Ah, 
Okay. The uh, in what ways are the economies of the DPR Korea and the Federal Republic of Nigeria complementary to each other? Well, I think the DPRK has been given a helping hand. Their proficiency in agriculture comes to play. There are so many farmers in Nigeria. When I mean farmers, both large-scale and small-scale farmers, the DPRK is helping out. Mm. There are so many of them, too numerous for me to mention. And then most of them also visit the DPRK to see how they've been able to progress along that line. You know, Nigeria is a very, has a rich agricultural land. Our problem is for us to get the funding and the technical know-how, if not, you know, our land, the most fertile. Mm -hmm. That you can confirm for those who have been to Nigeria. So it's not about oil, but also about our agricultural. Uh, apart from agriculture, they are also helping with um, some these uh, Korean or what they call this Asian uh, Medicare. So that is not as much as that of the agricultural field. And then education. And then they are also helping, you know, in terms of solid minerals, you know, they also have coal. Though so many environmentalists will tell you that uh, coal is a dirty source of energy, blah, blah, blah. But despite the fact that I'm a professor of environmental engineering, I'm also one that advocates that we must not jettison coal we must also harness our coal in spite of the fact that uh, it emits a lot of sulfur dioxide into the air. But there are cleaner technologies that can minimize the effect of these uh, so-called dirty coal. So they are also helping, you know, along that line. And schools, you know, there are some schools, they also help out. And then visits, you know, and the rest and what have you. Mm-hmm. And are there currently many North Korean citizens living and working in Nigeria? Uh, I don't know what you mean by working. And of course, if there is a um, bilateral agreement between individuals, like if I happen to own a farm now yeah. and I want to grow apple, there are areas like Plateau State that has the same climate like the temperate region. And uh, I want to establish a farm, an apple farm. Why not? I will bring in and a request for some technical assistance but of course that goes through the nigerian immigration services and they provide a limited number for expatriates to come out just like we have indians we have so many americans and so many japanese you know working in various sectors so they are not korean citizens working in areas based on agreement between individual entrepreneurs and then between our two countries yeah how many times have you visited the dpr korea Honestly, about, I think more than 10 times, ah. more than 10 times. When, and when you go there as the chairman of the Nigerian Committee for the Study of the Jucha Idea, what kind of activities do you do there? Oh, a lot. A lot. My uh, initially two weeks and then sometimes one week. And then throughout, I think um, there are a lot of activities. We also attend seminars and then Juche lectures from the university, Kim Il-sung University. We also visit uh, the length and breadth of the DPRK. Oh. Uh, not necessarily the big cities, you know, I've been to, you know, Quezon, the demilitarized zone. I've uh, been to Pamunjong, you know, so many other rural communities, you know, and yeah. the rest and water to look at farm, they, their farms, to look at uh, so many activities you know and there is. so it's not just uh, located toward uh, in pyongyang right right and are your trips usually uh funded or sponsored by the government of the dpr korea yeah yeah uh, not by government there is an agency like cas the korean association of uh, social scientists social but there are about the last three trips i made i think i sponsored myself uh-huh oh okay yeah. But of course, I'm not alone. There are others too, our members, you know, that we go along with. So I've never gone alone. Right. Each year, if there is a member, you know, that wants to go and has the wherewithal to pay for his return flight, we go together. As a delegation? Yes, as a delegation. Right. How big is a delegation usually? Yeah, it depends on the number of people that wants to go with me, because for me, I, uh, most times, uh, more than 80% or 90% have been there, cast sponsored me. The remaining 10%, I think I sponsored myself. So when I'm going and the call comes in, particularly for the September event, mostly for the September event, but mm -hmm. I've been there also in April. 
uh, you know, for us in Africa, it's very cool there in April. So mostly we are giving invitation and we do honor when they want to celebrate their national day, which is in September 9. Yeah. So we normally go late August and then come back after the great event of their national day. So right. sometimes four, five, six, depending on the number of people you know who will go there. Mm -hmm. What we offer them is they only pay if they can pay for their return ticket. Yeah. But while we are there, accommodation, feeding, and logistics in terms of transportation to where we want to visit CAS, Korean Association of Social Scientists, you know, takes care of that. Right. Other uh, similar committees to your own in other African countries? Of course, you know, I told you that we have the African Regional uh, Committee. The last time we met was at Guinea, Guinea-Conakry. And right. before Guinea-Conakry, we've met in South Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, before South Africa, we met in Uganda. Before Uganda, we met in Congo, Kinshasa, DRC, Congo. Before yep. them, we also met in Tanzania and so many mm. other uh, meetings. So the African region, we come together because the uh, courtesy of the of the association, there is no African country I'm going, I can't say I know one or two or more people. Yep. And I did ask for, and each region also has its own. The Europeans have theirs, the North Americans have theirs, the South Americans have theirs, the Asians have theirs. Yes, and, and do you liaise with, uh, with organizations outside Africa, similar organizations? Of, of course we do, yeah. because, you know, outside from the regional meeting, IIGI also organizes meeting once in uh, three years. Oh. That courtesy took me to the uh, Sri Lanka. It's, it's an exotic island of the Indian continent, okay, Sri Lanka. Yeah. Uh, that's the first meeting I attended where there is the World Congress. And then after that, there is the one that was held in uh, Venezuela in 1995, mm. sorry, 2005. And then thereafter, there have been so many other meetings, you know, and the rest. So depending on the time, if 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 you are free, like I am also a uh, uh, lecturer at the University of Abuja, once the students are not having exam, because when the exam comes in, we are barred from traveling. You need yeah. to stay around, administer exams and supervise. So once this we have this kind of clash, maybe I may not be opportune to attend. But when there is none of anything that would bar me from attending, mm -hmm. I think I do. So I've been to Sri Lanka and uh, Venezuela. You've met a lot of people from different countries. Which countries would you say are the most active in studying and adapting the Jucha idea to their own situation? Is it in Africa or globally? Let's start with Africa first. Okay, Africa. You have, um, I think there are so many. You have the Malians, the Guineans, the Senegalese, you have the Ethiopians, Congolese, uh, Congo, DRRDC, Congo, Congo, South Africa, Tanzania, Nigeria, Egypt, Tunisia, and uh, I don't know, in those days, Morocco used to be very active, but I think, I don't know what is happening. They've been mm -hmm. a little bit dormant. So in Africa, these are the countries that are quite uh, very active, but of recent, I think Chad and uh, which other country again, Congo, Brazzaville, I think they are coming up. But the ones that have been quite consistent and very hard are the ones I've mentioned earlier on. That right. is Egypt, Tunisia, well, initially Morocco, then you have the Senegalese, the Guineans, Guinea-Conakry, the Malians, the Nigerians, um, yeah. the Ethiopians, the Tanzanians, Congolese, Congo DR, you know, and South yeah. Africa, you know. Yeah, these are very active, very, very active. Now, the DPRK state news agency called the Korean Central News Agency, sometimes they yeah. report... For example, the headline, Kim Jong-un honored in Nigeria. Uh, I just yeah. wonder, why do you think it's important to specifically honor not just the Juche idea, but the leader of the DPR Korea, Chairman Kim Jong-un, by commemorating his birthday and that of his father and grandfather? Oh, what uh, that's a very good question. So if I decide to, uh, if we as an uh, institution, we decide to honor former U.S. President, you know, Donald Trump. Will you ask me why do we have to honor Donald Trump? You honor the person you <laughs> yeah, really I probably would. Esteem. Just hold on. Just hold on. Okay. When you give an honor, 
you give honor to somebody who is deserving, somebody you hold in high esteem, somebody who has virtues that you also hold these virtues in high esteem, somebody who has done something that you feel he should be commended for what he has done, you know, who has left positively, you know, history, uh, you know, somebody who has impacted on humanity. These are people that deserve honors. You just don't honor any other person you feel because you want to honor him. They've done well. They led their people very well, you know, and they've defended the integrity and the uh, independence of their people. You see what is happening in the Middle East, in the Arab world. You see the way the Arab world is just being messed up, you know, by the U.S. and uh, Israel. But no country on earth can do that, you know, to DPRK. The only thing is they carry campaign of calumny, you know, they impose economic sanctions on the DPRK. Possibly, you know, they begin to threaten by organizing annual military show near their border. If this is what, if we decide to invade you, uh, this is what we're going to do. But we dare them to do that. So mm -hmm. anybody who is able to safeguard, you know, his country and protect them, you know, and then provide the necessities of life, you know, lead their people from ignorance, you know, they are well-educated, they know their rights, you know, why can't you honor such an individual? Yeah. You hardly find issues of shooting in the U.S. and the, and the DPRK where somebody, one crazy individual will just carry a gun and then move towards the school. You need to go to the DPRK and see how kids play freely on the streets. Sometimes, you know, when I get to the DPRK, I begin to wonder, is this the country that this so much propaganda is being said? When I leave my hotel, I go around the town in the night unescorted just to see. So, and the reason why we, we do this is that they will tell you, oh, they will take light and the rest. But I've never seen electricity, even blink an eye. Mm. Anytime I go, I open my window to see far and beyond, to see if there will be a, a quarter or a section of the city that is without light. And we also walk around, you know, our hotel room, you know, without somebody being uh, escorting us and we don't get molested. Yeah. But I bet you, I dare not do that on any of the cities in the U.S., I dare not do that because as a black man, either I will get, you know, hackled down by the police. I will thank my God if I come back alive. If have they you don't, ever been uh, to the United States? I beg your pardon? Uh, have you ever visited the United States? I don't think I will go to the U.S. because of uh, their anti-black sentiment. You know, yeah. and the rest I fear I will be, you know, pulled over by the police. Mm -hmm. And then before I could say anything, probably I will end up in the coffin. I understand. As a black man. Now, speaking of propaganda. Professor, when people hear about your organization and they say, for example, uh, North Korea has human rights issues for uh, like the prison camps or North Korea doesn't let its people exit the country if they want to or North Korea punishes multiple generations of a family and also they force people to study Juche regardless of their level of interest. Uh, how do you respond to that? Well, I think these are the propaganda issues that we have to deal with. Um, do I don't know. Uh, just hold on. Yeah. These are propaganda issues that we have to deal with. You know, the West has a very robust machinery in terms of uh, press. They have a very uh, strong both print and electronic media that is solidly behind whatever their leaders do. They don't see anything wrong with them. On rare occasions, they do voice out. Uh, this, where is the human right most pronounced in the world? Is the West, the Western world. The moment you come in, you know, with a different faith, they are largely intolerant. If you come up, you know, with a different ideology, they are largely intolerant. You look at the Western society and see the kind of human rights abuses that they have. How many people are languishing in U.S. jails? You once asked me that, have I ever visited the U.S.? I said no. Do I intend to visit? I said no. And the reason, I gave you reason. There are so many blacks languishing in jail on account of uh, Trump up charges. Some of them are even shocked about the charges that they have. But I tell you, any person you see in DPRK must have committed one offense or the other. And in a country where there is no rule of law, anybody can just own a gun and pump into your house and then snuff life out of your after few. Then that country is not worth living. North Korea is anchored based on laws, regulations. Look at Otto Wambia. Why must you go to a country and begin to denigrate the country and pull down the portrait you know, of, their country, of their leader? I can't go to the U.S. now and look at the portrait. You know, if I respect myself, 
and respect Nigeria and respect our leaders. I can't go to a US or Britain or France and then see the portrait, you know, of Joe Biden or uh, uh, Ricky Shina or Emmanuel Macron and then begin to pull it down. It's not only disrespect to the country, but also disrespect to my own country and what I stand for. So if you are in a country, you can't visit my home and begin to disrespect me. So if anybody visit North Korea, you must comply with rules and regulations of the DPRK. If you visit Nigeria, you must respect and comply with our rules and regulations. But you can't claim that because you are a Westerner. You go to a country, you want to show how weak the country is. If he has succeeded because it is recorded, you would have gone out, you know, spread the, 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 the video and say, look at the DPRK that they said they have security and there is, but I'm able to do this. And mm -hmm. thereby denigrate the country. I think we need to think deeply. If you accuse the DPRK of doing certain things, you know, you have to look at what you do at your own level. Do you think that it's economically wise that the DPR Korea spends money on nuclear weapons and missiles when it lacks sufficient food to feed its entire population? Oh, fine. That's another uh, propaganda we have to deal with. What is the military spending? What is the budget of Pentagon in the US vis-a-vis -vis their national budget? What is the military budget, you know, among the NATO countries? When the former president, uh, Donald Trump, was saying, no, Countries need to improve on their military budget. And you can see the event now where they are now fighting Russia. So any country that cannot defend itself is not worth to be a country. So whatever North Korea needs to do, even if it spends their whole resources, you know, in hardware to defend the country, the territorial integrity of the country, in my opinion, and in the opinion of any rational woman being the world over, it is a just cause because you see, you we don't want DPRK to be like Libya. You went into Libya, killed the leader. You went into uh, Saddam uh, Iraq. You know, you you toppled Saddam Hussein, uh, Saddam Hussein in Iraq on Trump of charges, and then look at the way you have made Syria prostrate. Most of the land in the some lands, you know, in Syria, you know, is just because we don't like his face. I mean, DPRK you know, can do whatever it feels, you know, to defend itself. It is their right. So nobody can dictate to the DPRK what percentage of their national income they need to spend in defense. They would have, they would have gone in and then mixed means meet of the DPRK. So it is a just cause, and we will support the DPRK to use whatever means necessary to defend itself. Do you think that the DPR Korea has any areas of governance that should be improved upon? Well, it depends on what you refer to as um, governance, because uh, what might be tenets of governance, you know, to somebody with a Western mind bias would be different from me. Because for me, in terms of that, I would want a good education. Every child should go to school. The DPRK is at the forefront of that. Healthcare facility, the DPRK is at the forefront of that. Housing, at the forefront of that, there is no any homeless person visit DPRK, every Korean is given a house, a decent house to live in for unemployment. There is nothing like the state. If you don't have a job, the state has something for you to do and they pay you. So this idea of wondering about, you know, and they're not having anything to do like you see in Africa and in Western societies is absent in the DPRK. And if you look at politics, yeah, it's good, but the politics in Korea is different from the way you or other, any other country in the West, you know, will assume. There is democracy, uh, democracy, but Korean style. And every country deserves the right, you know, to evolve a policy. We shouldn't say this is the way we are. So should you. This notion of the U.S. and Western powers, you know, this is the way they are. So should every other country must be jettisoned. We are different and we are not bound, you know, to say, okay, every aspect of our life must be anchored along Western life. If there is no diversity in the world, come on, Jaco, the world will be too boring. But because, you know, there is these differences in almost everything, that's what makes the world interesting. And I want you to see that in life. So as far as the governance of DPRK is, I think I don't see anything wrong with that. I I very much love, you know, the way the system is and the rest, if they feel there is any improvement, I think they do review from time to time.
and we'll keep tabs with these reviews, if any at all. I have one last question for you, Professor. Is there anything else that you want to add about the VPR career and the Juche idea? Yeah, um, what I want to ask is that the West must come to times that just like any other nation, that we deserve to live our life the way every country deems fit. This idea of this the way we are in all aspects, so much the entire world. We need to jettison that. And the West should, if they if they need peace with the DPRK, DPRK is willing to be at peace with every nation in the world. Get rid of the economic sanctions. The economic sanctions is strengthening the DPRK more. You can't put something for so long and it's not yielding the result, and then you keep on, you know, implementing that policy. Stop these threats, these aggression of annual military exercise, you know, with the country south of the 38th parallel, sometimes with Japan and the rest. Threat cannot work. We need a peaceful world. Stop this threat. You can imagine a country holding drills on the borders of the USA. You can't imagine that. And then this instigation of countries to isolate the DPRK must stop. The DPRK, if there is any other thing, we let, we tend to gain more when we stop this propaganda against the DPRK. This intimidation uh, of fear of the DPRK trying to invade that country south of the 38th parallel is unfounded. And they have no hatred for anybody. When you meet freely Koreans and the leadership, they don't have any hatred for anybody except policies of certain government. And once any group or government comes up with any detrimental policy, any country that is sound and knows what it's worth will surely kick against that policy. The world can be better when we begin to accept the DPRK the way it is. And lastly, lastly, let me say this, and in a clear terms, this idea of the militarizing DPRK will never work. DPRK can never, ever demilitarize. And I think uh, that's we've not touched about the nuclear capability of the DPRK because it will amount to suicide. And nobody wants, knowingly wants to commit a, a suicide. There is a saying in Africa, uh, uh, Comrade Jaco, that only a tree, knowing fully well that it will be cut down, will stand where it is. I think I will leave you with that talk, uh, with that uh, say in Africa. Only a tree, uh, knowing fully well that it will be cut down, will stand where it is. So North Korea will not stand where it is, you know, knowing fully well that the West is uh, after stifling it. Thank you. I, actually, I've just uh, thought of another question. Have you ever visited the Korea south of the 38th parallel? Well, of course, if anything takes me there, why but, not? I mean, have you been there until now? I beg your pardon? Uh, have you ever been there before now? If you invite me, why can't I come? If you invite me as an environmentalist, why can't, why can't I come? No, oh, of course you can. No, I'm asking about history. Uh, have you been here before? I said, if you invite me, why can't I come? Right, that's that's future. <laughs> you're, you're talking about the future, but I'm talking about the past. Uh, that's why I'm asking that if you invite me, why, why can't I come? I'm also a professional. Yeah, you're welcome. If I said I want to invite you to Nigeria, wouldn't you come? But there must be a reason why you are coming to Nigeria, and there must be a reason why I'm coming to South Korea. Well, sometimes they have environmental conferences here in South Korea. I thought you might have come for that, for example. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Why not? Indeed. Well, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Alassane Mahmoud Mohammed, for joining me on the show today. And thank you very much, you know, for uh, uh, having me. And I also appreciate you know, the fact that you've been quite decent, you know, unlike other Western uh, media, I quite appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, our listeners can find the Nigerian Committee for the Study of the Juche Idea online at nigeriajucheidea.blogspot.com. Ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of our podcast episode today. If you already have an NK News account, and if you're a think tank, business or academic institution, take a look at NK Pro. Our NK Pro platform offers unparalleled services that specifically cater to the needs of professionals who monitor developments on the Korean Peninsula. You can inquire about access or a free trial membership by sending an email to membership at nknews.org today. Our thanks, as always, go to Brian Betts and Arias Dare, who facilitated this episode, and to our post-recording producer genius, Gabby Magnuson, 
who cuts out all the silences and awkward pauses, etc. Thank you very much and listen again next time.